This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the radio and the internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. A ship in harbor is safe, but is that what ships are for? And likewise, a silent Christian is safe, but is that what Christians are for? Here's Pastor Steve Kramer with today's message, While We Are Waiting, Live Responsibly. Sometimes people ask me, do you believe we're living in the end times? And my response is, we're living in the in-between times. Christ has come, Christ will come again. And in the meantime, he has some ideas on how to live out our days in this world while we wait to see him face to face. We're going to look at one of those ideas today, and I hope you'll stay with me. We begin our worship in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty and merciful God, this is your world. It's not spinning out of control. You have a plan. Help us to live confidently and faithfully in the days you've given us. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. these words of Jesus from Matthew 25, verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more, but he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. 
And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. And his master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. And his master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seeds. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what's yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant! You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast that worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Dr. George Sweeting, former president of Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, tells of the day he noticed an unusual combination of bumper stickers 
on the car of a man who was visiting the school. The coincidental message conveyed by the two bumper stickers prompted Dr. Sweeting to suggest to this unsuspecting visitor that he might want to remove one of them. You see, one of them read, Jesus is coming, and the other escaped to Wisconsin. Jesus is coming again, you know. How do we know that? Because he said so. He said he would come again in power and glory at an hour we do not know like a thief in the night and take us to himself. And we learn from him in Matthew 25 that it matters how his followers conduct themselves while waiting for his return in power and glory. He outlines how his followers are to use their God-given days well until he comes again or we breathe our final breath in this world. Last week in the parable of the ten bridesmaids, for instance, he taught that the believer is to live expectantly. The bridegroom may be delayed, but the believer in Christ must always be properly prepared for his arrival. And in today's parable of the three servants and the talents, he teaches another important and valuable lesson. Three servants who worked for a very wealthy master were entrusted with his property. One was given five talents, another two talents, and the third one talent. Then the master went away on a journey. I read somewhere that wealthy landowners back then usually did delegate the control and multiplication of their wealth to trained accountants who could either be free persons or, as here, servants. And what this master delegated to his servants was a lot of money. You see, a talent was a huge monetary weight, a way of exchange. One talent actually equaled 10,000 denarii in those days, and a denarii equaled a whole day's wages. So we're talking some big money here. The first two promptly went out and went to work trading with what they had been given, and they doubled their money. The third went and buried his in the ground, played it safe, did nothing with it. He just sat on it and waited for the master to return. Well, the day arrived when the master did return to settle accounts. The first two reported in, and each to each of them, his response was, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. They received accolades <clears throat> and promotions, and they entered into the joy of their master. Now, Jesus could well have used the Aramaic word for joy, which means festival. So, in other words, the master threw a feast for them and honored them. Now, the one talent servant came forward and said some not-so-nice things about the master. Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you do not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed, so I was afraid hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what's yours. <clears throat> the phrase, you have what is yours, was oftentimes used in Jewish transactions to say, I'm not responsible for this any further. The third servant should have known better. His words and his actions show that he simply did not care about the master or his property. He had a rather low opinion of the master and was afraid of him. He didn't do any work, take any risks with what he'd been given. He played it safe, looked out for himself. He just sat and waited for the master. And the master's not happy with this, is he? He reprimands the guy, calling him a wicked and slothful servant. 
Now, notice he doesn't disagree with the servant's assessment of his master's character, but he does say, you were supposed to do something with it. You could have at least invested it with the bankers, and at my coming I could have received what was my own along with some interest. This servant shirked his responsibility. So the master had the one talent taken from him, given to the ten talent servant, and this one talent servant was cast into the outer darkness and labeled by his master as worthless. Since we're looking at a story about finances, it seems appropriate to ask, what's the bottom line of this parable? First, let me point out how not to interpret it. Don't turn it into some sort of an allegory, making the master Jesus. Scripture does not allow us to do this. The master can't be a picture of Jesus because he's anything but a hard master, reaping what he does not sow. For instance, he's the one who says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. The bottom line of the story is simply this. The big idea. Believers in Jesus waiting for his return are to live responsibly, giving all that they've got for God's cause with everything God has given them. As biblical commentator Craig Keener puts it, in view of the impending day of reckoning, believers must make the wisest use of all that the Lord has entrusted to them to make it count for him. They must never take their stewardships for granted. Now, I've heard some people sum this parable up with the phrase, use it or lose it. And I suppose that works. But I suggest to you that it's really saying, use it and be willing to lose it for the sake of Jesus in the gospel. Because remember, Jesus said earlier to his disciples, for he who would save his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will save it. Followers of Jesus are to emulate him who gave all that he had to carry out his father's plan. You see, Jesus left the glories of heaven and entered our broken world to rescue the lost. He gave his all. He totally emptied himself, giving everything for the sake of bringing lost people like myself and yourself who are far from God into his kingdom. Jesus gave his all in all. To save us. By the way, Jesus is not teaching in this parable that a person is saved by his or her good works. No, 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 no. We are only saved by grace through faith in Christ. Scripture is clear on that. But we must always keep in mind this important truth. God's grace is opposed to merit, but it is not opposed to effort. So followers of Jesus Christ live the rest of their days responsibly for him, giving their all with all God has given them. As a response to, to all he's done for them. Now, before I go any further, I would be remiss if I did not ask this personal question. Are you a follower of Jesus, a recipient of his saving grace? Jesus, then, is waiting on you. 
He's knocking on the door, wanting to come into your life and give you eternal life with him. That begins right now and extends into eternity. Don't keep him waiting. I appeal to you today, ask him to come in and take over your life and be your Savior and Lord. Now, once you've become a follower of Jesus, the rest of life is living in response to his love and grace. We wait for his return, living expectantly and living responsibly, giving our all for him with all God's given us. And each of us has been entrusted with so much from God. It's to be used responsibly for him, for the kingdom, using our lives and all we have to bring Christ, those who are outside of a relationship with Jesus and with God. We, we give it all we've got, you see, to fulfill the great commission of making disciples of all nations. This is a truth for the church to keep in mind as we wait for Jesus to return. For instance, as the corporate church, our commission is not to pay off buildings and live comfortably just taking care of our own. Our commission is to make disciples of all people, to do all we can with what we have to seek and save the lost who need Christ Jesus in their lives. We've been given the great responsibility to do everything we can with everything we've got to add to the population of God's kingdom. Let us not forget that. And as individual believers, we are responsible to use what we've been given Ourselves, for Christ, not for ourselves, to be good managers of what God has entrusted to us. I don't remember who said this statement, but I believe it's true. The world asks, what does a man own? Christ asks, how does he use it? Now, I know I'm going to make some people uncomfortable with these next questions, but I guess Jesus didn't call his followers to be comfortable, but faithful and fruitful. So here we go. Hang on now. How are you using the resources God has given to you? Are you making generous investments in his kingdom? For instance, let's use money as an example. Does your financial portfolio reflect a heart for the gospel and bringing others to Jesus? What story does your checkbook or credit card statement tell? Is the cause of Christ better off because you've been blessed with much? How much are you giving away to help others know and trust in the one who gave himself to rescue us all? Some of us, you see, get the mistaken notion that all we have is ours. We've earned it. But the truth is, according to Scripture, everything we have is from God alone. Like in the parable, it's entrusted to us from God to manage. I heard a humorous story of a woman who had finished shopping and returned to her car. She found four men inside the car. She dropped her shopping bags and drew a handgun out of her purse and screamed, I have a gun and I know how to use it. Get out of the car. Those men did not wait for a second invitation. They got out and ran away like crazy. The woman, somewhat shaken, loaded her grocery bags and then got into the car. But no matter how hard she tried, she could not get her key into the ignition. And then it dawned on her, 
her car was parked four or five spaces away. She loaded her grocery bags into her own car and then drove to the police station to turn herself in. The desk sergeant to whom she told the story nearly fell off the chair laughing. He pointed to the other end of the counter where four men were reporting a carjacking by an old lady with thick glasses and curly white hair, less than five feet tall and carrying a handgun. No charges were filed. <laughs> you see, she thought it was her car, but it really belonged to someone else. Let's not fall into the trap of thinking our lives and what we have are our own. They really belong to God. In September, I read an uplifting story in the news entitled, Billionaire Achieves Goal of Giving Away His Fortune. That billionaire's name is Chuck Feeney. He spent the last 38 years giving away $8 billion to charities around the world. Feeney says, it's been fun and a great joy to help people now with what he has by giving. That's quite an inspiring goal, isn't it? Living responsible uh, involves, uh, living responsibly, I mean, involves communicating to others in our network the story of what God and Christ has done for the world, to share the gospel. While it's true that not every follower may be called to be an evangelist like Billy Graham, it's also true that every Jesus follower is called to be a witness where God has placed them using the time and knowledge and God-given abilities and resources to bring the good news story of salvation to other people. It's not to be kept to ourselves. And he's given you an ability to, to learn the story and then communicate it to others. He gives every believer the power of his Holy Spirit to make us effective in our witnessing endeavors. He surrounded us with a mission field friends and family and co-workers and fellow students and acquaintances that he loves and wants in his kingdom. He's given us ears to listen closely. It's been suggested that in the description of the third servant, Jesus could have had in mind the religious establishment of Israel, who kept the gift of God's word to him themselves. They had set aside the notion that they were chosen by God to be the light to the nations. They were blessed by God to be a blessing to the families of the earth. But instead of reaching out to lost people or out of fear of tainting themselves, they kept God's goodness and grace to themselves and just wrote the others off. They kept themselves separated from these unclean sinners of the world. They didn't care about others. They believed it was all about me and God and to hell with the rest of the world. A tragic story. Now, instead of just judging them, let's learn from them and keep a check on our own attitude. It's just as easy today to fall prey to that kind of thinking and to hide the gospel and keep it to ourselves for fear of failure or losing a friend or a family member or, or being ridiculed or identified with the unsavory. It's tempting to play it safe and stay silent with people that God really wants to have a relationship with. Now, I know I'm not just talking to you, but also myself. I really do love this old saying, a ship in harbor is safe, but it is not what ships are for. So also a silent Christian is safe, but that is not what Christians are for. So living responsibly means telling this story. Also letting your light shine so that others see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. 
We shine for him when we walk in his footsteps, living for righteousness, doing good to those around us in his name, and feeding the poor and showing mercy and kindness in the name of Christ. Sisters and brothers in Christ, and I I do hope you are, Jesus is coming again. Soon and very soon we're going to see the king. We don't know when. He does re- will reappear in power and glory. It will be a glorious day, we know that, in which we will rejoice and live in his presence forever. No more tears, no more sorrow, no more suffering, and no more death. But while we are waiting, Jesus is counting on us to live responsibly for him. And that's the bottom line of the teaching for today. Amen. This May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Amen. You've been worshiping with the Christian Crusaders, radio and internet ministry. We are grateful for God's continued blessings and faithfulness to this ministry for the past 84 years. And we are excited to lift up his name, point people to Jesus Christ, and stand boldly on his word. And we ask you to prayerfully consider how you might partner with us in support of this ministry. Many of you remember Homer Larson and his 51-year history as our lead preacher on Christian Crusaders. It was always Homer's dream to establish a perpetual fund that would receive large gifts to Christian Crusaders so as to build up a fund to cover operating expenses. We are pleased to announce the official launching of the Christian Crusaders Perpetual Fund that receives gifts of $20,000 or more in honor of Homer and Eunice Larson. We invite you to learn more about this fund. Go to our website, christiancrusaders.org. Many listeners have joined our Gem Club. That's a gift every month club. Go to our website and learn how just $10, 20 or $50 a month can make a significant difference to the future of this ministry. Memorial gifts are also a great way to remember a loved one. Donors are published in our quarterly newsletter mailings, and many have discovered it's become a meaningful way to remember a loved one's special day. 
Christian Crusaders is a nonprofit ministry supported entirely by the gifts of our listening audience. Estate gifts, large and small, have become a significant part of our ministry. Please consider a final gift to this ministry as part of your estate planning. For more information on how you can make an estate gift, a legacy donation, or a non-cash gift, call us at 319-277-0924 and request advice from one of our trusted Christian finance experts. They'll help you at no cost. Call our office today at 319-277-0924 or visit our website at christiancrusaders.org. We thank each of you for your gifts and prayers. If you'd like to listen to today's message again, you can find it in one of three podcasts. The first podcast, called the CC Broadcast, is where weekly services are archived. The second podcast, called the CC Podcast Conversations, is where we archive inspiring interviews with interesting Christians, such as gangster and murderer Ron Gruber, an NFL football player from the University of Iowa, Ike Boddicker, and other interesting and inspiring interviews. The third podcast, called the CC Podcast Daily Dose Devotionals, is where we host our daily Bible overview with six-minute devotions. These podcasts can be subscribed to on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and others. You'll find links to them at our website, christiancrusaders.org. We're happy you were able to worship with us today, and we pray you will join us again next Sunday on this station. Today's service was conducted by Pastor Steve Kramer, speaker on Christian Crusaders, broadcasting and podcasting biblical truth since 1936.